Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode 105. Happy New Year, everyone. 105 already. How you doing, folks? Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Right. So, um, hope Santa Claus was good to you. Yeah, we got a, uh, he brought me a raclette set. Yeah, that's cool. Which is something that is completely, I've never seen it or heard of it in this country except for, um, Northern Michigan. (laughs) So for people that don't know what that is, raclette is a type of Swiss cheese. And in olden times, they used to take it and put it on a little rack thing and sit it next to the fire, and it would melt. Mm-hmm. And then you would scrape that melted cheese off over, um, like, cured meats, boiled potatoes, and such like this. Um, but now they have, like, a little griddle thing that you can get. Um, and it's pretty good. You kind of just sit around eating cheese and meat and such. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we've had one of those for, like, 15 years now. The uh, uh, the story that I was told was that it was um, that the actual cheese that you're supposed to use is called raclette cheese, and it's a yeah, poor it man's cheese. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why it was not very popular amongst uh, you know it's. it's that was part of my meat slicer hitting the floor. <laughs> oh, nice! It wasn't real popular amongst the um, uh, the old guard, but now this new guard, the guard of um, Blue Apron and same people that brought us uh, um, skirt steak as as like a gourmet meal. Now we get a piece of real shitty piece of meat now and. <laughs> make it a certain way so now that that's a gourmet meal it was the same thing with the raclette uh cheese thing the, like i said raclette cheese was like literally like the bottom of the barrel to cheese it was not good cheese at all uh-huh. and now it's like you know it's a kind of a kind of a millennial thing you know they they want to apparently be like the, like the poor folks really i i Honestly, I this is the only part of the United States that I have ever met anyone that just, even knew what raclette was. I just I just told you why. Right, it's I know. New. It's not oh, I, I mean, know. It's, it's been around since the 70s this back whole to phenomenon. A long time yeah. ago. Like, yeah, it dates back to a working man's cheese. It was like yeah. the American cheese of like hundreds. I I think I just want to be clear that I'm not just talking about the cheese. I'm talking about eating it in a certain way when I say raclette. Right, right. Right. So that way of eating that particular cheese kind of came about, as I understand it, and got really popular in the 70s about the same time fondue did. It's it's very similar to fondue. It's just, you know, you don't have a pot of melted cheese. You just melt it. Yeah, but the cheese cheese actually gets a little crusty, like a little, like a crust to it. It melts, and then it gets like a little, well, you don't get that with fondue. Mm -hmm. But you you melt it on a um, piece of granite, 
you yep. know, uh, with it to when you heat up, um, like, uh, um, you can cook like thin cuts of meat mm-hmm. on top of that granite too. Sizzle it up a little bit, and there's a lot of different ways you can do that. But right, okay, I have a gun question you know for the, you. Huh? I have a gun question for you. Okay. Okay, here you go. You see that? Uh huh. What's that rifle? It looks to me to be a Enfield. What's? Well, it's the one that killed Kennedy. <laughs> And, and the oh, whole it's reason a, it's a Carcano? Yeah, Manlicker Carcano. But uh, anyway, anyway, the yeah. reason I bring this up is, you see how those bullets are shaped with kind of more of a rounded mm-hmm. nose instead of a point nose. So I was, I, I wanted to get your opinion if this is true. I saw this program on the JFK assassination, and they were explaining that those bullets, because they have the rounded tip like that, are gripped longer by the rifling, and thus more stable when they come out into the barrel, and they don't tumble as much. Well, it's, it's not necessarily the round tip. What it is, it's, is the length yeah. of, of body of the bullet that's, that's uh, perpendicular to the, to the rifling of the rifle. Right, well, and then so their the, point... So yeah, because yeah, that's why the point is kind of rounded because it's because it's not a tapered bullet. Yeah, and their point was with the tapered bullets, less of the bullet surface is in contact with the rifling, so it tends to yaw a little bit. I guess. Well, okay. Is that I, I that, all sounds, that all sounds that, that all sounds really awesome? A great explanation for for somebody that doesn't know shit all nothing about rifling and rifles, um, and I'm not including you in that. Right. Well, that's why I'm asking. No, but I'm not including you in that. But, right, but I'm going to yeah. tell you what. That's that's a bunch of shit. Okay. It is like old school notion that that if you if you'll notice the sniper rifles and the target rifles of today do not have bullets that are shaped like that. No, not at all. They're not they're not ballistically uh, as efficient as those are not as ballistically efficient as what's available today. And if you notice today that the rifling is not, does not touch the full length of the barrel or the full length of the bullet, it touches a portion of it, but makes the bullet fly more cleanly through the air. Mm-hmm. That's why it's shaped like that. That's why they have um, tails because the, the, um, Part of the bullet is tapered in at the at the stern of the bullet, uh, so that what's that what's that squeaking on your end? Offers a more stable flight path. What's that? There's a squeaking on your end. What is that? Oh, it's our dryer. I got to put a new bearing in it. Hang on a second. <laughs> I'll go shut it off. Okay. So let's see if we have any viewers or chat yet. Ah, six people are watching. Hi, guys. Um, I will uh, pretty frequently be looking at the uh, at the uh, chat window here. No, that's excellent. That's huh? Uh, nothing. I was just no. The reason the viewers hi. Yeah, no, the reason, the reason, I mean, they just explain that. They're just trying to fill space. 
with uh, uh, something that they think might be interesting information. But the reality of it is that bullet is what happens is there's way more rifling on that bullet, and it it uh, it does either one of two things: it either slows the bullet down because there's more drag on it in yeah. the barrel, and it doesn't so it's not really doing what it's supposed to be doing, which is causing the bullet to slightly spin. <laughs> the other thing that that it does is it allows the pressure to be built up a little higher in the chamber. And so this was during a period of time when they were trying to figure out exactly what the right combination of bullet and powder was. <clears throat> so I don't know if that's, if that's a good explanation, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. I, I was just, uh, I was just wondering how, how much of that was true because honestly you, you have a lot more knowledge on that particular thing than I do, so that's yeah. why I was asking. Well, no, if you like, I said, if you notice the the, the sniper bullets and the target rifle bullets of today, um, if you Google, uh, uh, I mean, just just Google uh, quick like a bunny, Google um, uh, target target bullets, for example, uh, one hundred and seventy five mm -hmm. grain boat tail hollow point Hornady bullet. Yeah, I mean, I know, I think everybody knows what what they are I'll, I'll see if i can find one target yeah i mean it should be an easy an easy picture to find and put one uh -huh. of those up there and you can show you can see the difference between the two bullets um um and those carcanos uh -huh. are not that accurate i mean if, if, no yeah it was a it was a ease of um i mean in my opinion it wasn't the gun that killed kennedy anyways well tell us about that well, I I have a different theory. I believe that there was three different shots that were fired, and what's his name was the Patsy. I think okay. I think that that rifle that was found in the book uh, depository was not the rifle that killed him. I don't believe it. Um, I believe that that was a uh, just for the simple fact that if you were going to whack somebody. The shot that he took was probably not the shot that you would take. Would be the easy. It would that would not have been the easiest shot to take, where he was. There was three spots that were easily more easily made than that. Um, what do you mean a, lo a, locations to shoot from? Right. Yeah, locations yeah. of the shooter. Yeah, mm -hmm. it would have been a lot easier to shoot him from a different spot than it was from that spot that he took in an elevated position. But would you have had the same concealment and the same access, I guess, since he worked there would be, uh, it didn't take him long to figure out where he was. No, that's true. It didn't take him long to figure out, you know, where, where the shot came from. And the other, the other shoot, the other shots, um, were, uh, were not, the other shooters were never identified, but they were they were seen by witnesses. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you I know. I haven't I haven't really looked a whole lot into it. My my point has always been: Do I believe that the United States government would conspire to kill someone? And the answer to that, if you know anything about history, has to be absolutely, positively yes, because we do it all mm -hmm. the time and we still do it today. 
So yeah, well, you know, I, I the details I aren't super important. It's it's more would they do it, and right. the answer I, has to be and, yes. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of people that didn't want him around. Hmm. There was a lot of people that wanted him dead. There was yeah. there was people that that he stiffed on the beaches in Cuba. Yeah, there were people that there was mobsters that were not happy with him. There was a lot of people that didn't like him. And so thinking that it was going to be, uh, you know, one single guy that's, you know, just not, I don't think that's the ca necessarily the case. I, I just don't think that it was, uh, it was just a single guy doing that. So Brent Richards was, says, Happy New Year, fellas. <laughs> hey, thanks, Richard. How you doing? Happy Brent New Richards. Year to you also. Yep. Yeah. So, so uh, anyway, it's it's. I mean, you could literally spend an entire lifetime studying that. And oh, and I think and I think people have the problem is is there's just not enough uh, enough information available to uh, to to positively say yes or this or that. And for whatever reason, there never will be. Um, Right, and I don't, I don't believe that'll ever be solved to anybody's satisfaction. Which gets me back to my original point, and that's that I don't know what happened in this particular case, but do I believe that our government would attempt to kill somebody? Absolutely, positively, yes, I do. So yeah. um, I have another topic, and this one's going to trigger um, uh, the bushcrafters. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so both you and I uh, pretty much have to have a fire every single day. Mm -hmm. There's literally feet of snow on the ground outside my house, and I absolutely refuse to turn the thermostat above 62 degrees. So uh, if people want it warmer, then there has to be a fire, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting a fire every day for like six months of the year, and... Uh, I'm not into like LARPing like I'm from, you know, like the 1800s and I'm some mountain man and flint and steel and all this bullshit. So um, I, I have something to show you uh, that I think is the coolest and neatest thing that has made my life so much easier this year. Again, I'm not into the whole LARPing thing, so... Uh, there you go. You see it? <laughs> so so literally when I was uh when I had to start a fire usually so so my situation has been always been a little bit different than than what you are. When we lived in our other house um the other houses prior to this one, we all, we always had an inside wood stove. And our inside wood stove was always a traditional type of uh of they kind of look like a Franklin stove or a Franklin fireplace, whatever you want to call them. Um, they were, some people call them parlor stoves. Some people call them, uh, you know, just a general wood stove. But they were like um, no fans on them. No, it was all natural draft, that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, I've had a Vermont, two Vermont uh, Defiants. I've had a Fisher uh, 
Papa Bear, and I've had a um, Hearthstone, uh, not ceramic, but um, soapstone stove. And all of those stoves were able to keep a fire for 12 hours. Uh, so, so basically, when you started a fire, you're, you're, um, uh, you, you always had coals to keep it, keep things going. You know, you basically clean the, the ashes out and do all those things, but you would always have coals in the background. Um, a lot of times in the fall and in the spring, when it's starting to get, where you get the nice sunny days and it'll heat up quite a bit during the day, um, you'd let the fire go out. You know, right. maybe in the morning when you got up, it was still, it was warm enough that, you know, you just didn't start a fire until later that evening. Mm-hmm. Those days, um, when I, when I didn't feel like I wanted to make a kindling fire and with a match, that kind of stuff, uh, which by the way, if, if you have a wood stove and you're into practicing fire starting skills, it's definitely a good way to do it because you're always working on the same, you know, you're always you have kind of a controlled environment, but you get to really watch how the fire starts and you learn how, that you can't, you know, light a match to a two by four and expect it to catch on fire. Mm-hmm. But on those days that I didn't feel like I had a lot of time to, to screw around with that, I would take one of those Duraflame um, fireplace logs. Like you're showing a picture of the, they're little squares, right? They're little, like yeah, a, just little, size little of a candy, candy bar. Yeah. Candy bar deal. Exactly. So they didn't have that uh, back back when. So I used to take a regular fireplace log, and I would practice my hatchet skills, and I would chop a, a, a wafer off of it. Maybe it was like an inch thick. I try to get it like an inch, inch and a half thick, uh, you know. And I would I would take a pretty good chunk, and I would use that. Um, yeah. And so it essentially did the same kind of thing. We're uh, hearing this nowadays again there. You know, like I said, nowadays this my boiler had a fire had a fire go out in it. It's since I don't know when we started September, I guess the end of September. Mm-hmm. We started burning, and uh, uh, it hasn't gone out yet. So yeah, those are those are. While a lot of the purists will call that cheating, um, personally, it didn't. It never really bothered me. I used to use that stuff all, quite a bit. But like I said, those little things are a lot more convenient. And to be honest with you, when I go winter camping, um, I will usually, because I I usually go with my snowmobile and my little dog sled, so carrying a little bit of of that on the sled is not a big deal. And Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll even, I'll I'll bring a couple of those with me. Uh, Just, uh, you know, because in the morning you, in in my tent there when I'm lighting a fire in the stove and you know just easier to to have one of those and hit it with a hit it with a lighter and bink it's already you you got a little thing to start and throw your little kindling in it and get it get a rack and heat it up really well so you realize we just triggered the entire community of 1800s larpers <laughs> Uh, that squeaking it. is really, uh, really. Can you pronounced. shut that off? To half an hour. <laughs> it's my wife is trying to do laundry, and we're we're impinging on her. <laughs> All right. So, so um, um, 
yeah, that's that's the uh, um, you know guys that are that are like raising hell about that. They ought to try coming and living where I live. You know. Yeah. Well, say, yeah. I mean, then you can tell me about how how pure you are. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> I I did it specifically to trigger them because up until this year. I always just did it with a newspaper and I'd make kindling, but this year oh, I'm yeah. just like, you know what? I'm going to be doing this for six months. I'm tired of it. So I got, I okay, bought a so box I of need those. to, uh, I need to, can I share a screen? Is yeah, it possible you go, for me to do that? Yeah, you go up to share screen on the left. And then you'd have to choose like what window or whatever. Okay, so I've got I, I came across something that's really cool the other day. Uh, I was in my gun shop, well, my friend's gun shop, and uh, we were looking at. Uh, he had this guy walk in and he had some catalogs, some auction catalogs for firearms. But going, you know what? These are like the coolest looking catalogs I've ever seen in my life, and. I'm trying to find a picture of one here. Gun consignments, gun auctions. And uh, and it's a spiral bound. Well, it looks like they're having they have one of these every month. And the catalog is worth I guess it costs like 75 bucks. No, it costs uh I think it costs a hundred and some odd dollars to get a subscription, and the catalogs are with descriptions of guns that are one, one-off guns. Oh wow! And it they are it's so cool. The company is called Rock Island Auction Company. Rock Island Auction Company. Let me see if I can share a screen here. Screen share. That one. This is what I want. This is the company. Oh, right okay. here. Can you see that? They're from. Oh, they're from cool. Iowa. People are from Iowa, and they have an incredible amount of very, very, very cool guns. And it's it's well it's what is that Rock Island Illinois? Yeah, that's and, that's uh, north and west of Chicago on Highway 20. Yeah, very cool, very very cool, um, and definitely worth looking into if you are a gun. And they do have knives in here, um, gun and knife. If you're a gun and knife collector enthusiast, really want that really like. Like you can't uh, can't find that gun. Where? That's the that's the one to have. Cool. That's the this is the these are the catalogs to have because this is where you're going to get them. You're talking about rifles and stuff that are owned by uh, that were owned by very important people with all the documentation. You know, maybe it's uh, for example. Um, a pistol that's owned by by President Monroe, or I'm just flipping through here. 
um, shotgun that might be owned by Elvis Presley or, you know, those kinds of, th those kinds of rifles and stuff in this catalog. Cool. A pair of Indian gloves that were owned by Steve McQueen. Oh, I want Indian those. racing gloves. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Very, very cool stuff. So, so what did you get for, you got a raclette for Christmas. What else did you get? Oh, somebody, um, okay. So, uh, I got to find it here. Uh, that was, that was my present basically. But then, um, I got a, a present from somebody that I'm going to open on the air. And this one, um, was, uh, I made a, you know, the Fairbairn Sykes agent knife or agent dagger. Mm -hmm. I, uh, this guy wanted me to make him one because uh, apparently he had used one at one point or or something like that, and he wanted one. And so um, we kind of did a bunch of research and figured out how they were made and all that sort of thing, and I made him one. So he sent me a package here. I'm going to open see what's inside. I don't I don't have any idea. John Elk Commando Knife. Uh, Eck, the original. Eck, John Eck. Uh, original registered fighting and utility knife. Manufactured by permission of the war board. Let's see if I can make that easier to see. Yep, that's very cool. I got to see what it looks like. It has a little snood inside. Very mm -hmm. cool. I, I've never even heard of these, so you'll have to tell us... Uh, a little bit about it. John Eck designed knives for during World War II when we were very short of knives. He delivered a bunch of knives to the War Department. And they were oh um, wow on the crude side. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, is that a brand new one? Uh, yeah, well, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, made in uh, Eck Commando Knife, Richmond, Virginia. Uh, and it, you know it's it's like you said it's it's basically a flat piece of steel with a right. double edge on it. But then that, yeah, and then the if you oh. look yeah, stop talking so that my camera feed stays up. If you look at the handle, um, they did basically just a little bit of quarter rounding in some spots like that. But I mean, mm -hmm. you could take this design and re redo it um, with maybe a little better handle. Um, but this is cool. It's a little piece of history. I uh, thanks. Uh, yep. Yep. To the guy that sent that. Yep, um, they're I very think. cool. Uh, yeah. They were... The war was done. They I, they didn't make them for very long. And uh, um, later on in life, they were reintroduced by um, Mike Stewart. And Blackjack Knives made them for a long okay. time. <clears throat> they made all the different styles. I think they made like there was like five different styles. I think some yeah. of them had brass, a little brass uh, cross guard. They were all wooden handles. Some of them, I have some that are cord wrapped. Very cool. After the demise of blackjack, uh, someone in the Eck family or somehow is related to uh, John Eck. I don't decided that they were going to come back and remake those knives, and I don't know if they're actually making them themselves or they're having somebody else make them for them 
Uh, uh, here's what I'm gonna. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put up a. Uh, I'll put it up. Uh, screen share here. Um, and we can look at it. Um, just give me a second here. Present to everyone. There we are. So, looks like this. The second images result is the one that that I have. I've got this one here. And then, yeah, there's a right. A and see, I think these one. most of these on here are probably ones that were made by by blackjack okay yeah i mean i don't i i didn't know any of that history this is the first time honestly okay, so, hearing so about you, any of it um, if you notice hang on a second let me find what this one, one looks like a blackjack uh-huh there you go that that one right there the cross guard on that uh-huh is exactly the same cross guard that's on the uh um Applegate uh, combat knife. Okay. The what that the one that Blackjack made. That's oh, okay. that's the same guard. It's literally the same guard that was on the on the uh, the one that was used on the Eck knives. It was the same exact one that was used on. Uh, Applegate. Very cool. <laughs> This one's a little goofy. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's this one right here. This. Well, yeah, it looks like the made Fairbairn knife. Oh no! I mean, this... most of the images now will be Boker. Okay. Most of the images will be Boker. Uh huh. But uh, if you look at the, if you look at even the Boker image, that Fairbairn or that uh, that cross guard is, you'll see that's the same. Is it? Yeah, cool. Cool, cool. And then uh, if you notice uh, that you have you had up, there was one that had a, um, I'm trying to think of what, uh, Mike did those two. Uh, scroll up. Here's, uh, well, here's the... Yeah, that's that's the agent dagger that I made the guy. Yeah. So that's that's why he sent me the the thing. Anyway, I did uh, lignum vitae for the handle. That mm -hmm. was actually kind of a bitch because I don't have a lathe. Um, Which one, one thing did you I do this one. Uh, I'm, it's on the screen right right now. It's on the anvil. Yeah, that's mine. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I that's that's the one I did for him, and then um, I did lignum vitae for the handle. Um, and that was actually, I wish I'd had a lathe for that because that would have been a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, he loved it. So I guess Sweet. mission accomplished. So, um, anyway. Yeah. Very cool. Yep, that's very cool. Uh, what do you want to talk about? I got a yeah, that, bunch uh, of other topics, but that um, uh, 
Well, I don't know. You can talk about anything you want. All right. Okay. I got, a, I got what I got for Christmas. I got a, uh, I got a cigar humidor. Um, one of the one of the electric ones that does the temperature and the humidity. Oh, cool. That's kind of a cool deal. And I got, um, I don't know, some clothes. Hmm. Spent time with my wife on Christmas. That was awesome. Yeah, that's that's basically what I'm home. I had just gotten home like, let's see, the 20th, I think, or the 18th. Yeah. It was only like four or five days, six days before. I guess it was the 19th. Yeah. A few days before. Uh, um, before Christmas. Yeah. So that was awesome. Came home. The Christmas tree was up. She went and got it herself and. Had it all all decorated. I got uh-huh. to hang one one or two ornaments on it. So I'm gonna put my two cents into it. Very cool. Yeah. I got my uh, my kid. Uh huh. My, my oldest boy is in Finland. Oh, what's He's he doing like up there? Above the Arctic Circle. Um, they went there to look for Santa Claus. I guess he took his wife and kids. And looking for Santa Claus, and I guess they went on reindeer rides, and they went on, um, just all, well, and it was kind of funny, I guess, because the reindeer rides, uh, they thought they were going to have somebody driving them. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't. They basically, here's the reindeer, here's the reins. <laughs> Do your <laughs> trick. Go. Do your trick. So I guess my son uh, had one. Um, and uh, my daughter-in-law had the other one. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. I guess they had a good time. And they were they've been staying. I think they're on their way back to China now. But I think staying, well, I know that they were staying in that ice hotel that's up there. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard of that. And I, I guess it's got like a glass, uh, glass ceiling in it. And... Uh, he was there in the bar one night, and I guess the uh, uh, he was he held the the glass has uh, all everything in there is made of ice, so the glasses mm-hmm. are made of ice, everything's made of ice. So he had his drink in his hand, and uh, for maybe a little bit longer than he should have, and he set it on the table, which was ice, and the glass froze to the table. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's never happened before up there. <laughs> no. No, I guess that happens fairly often. I yeah, guess it's like, quite comical. I had to come out and yeah. chisel it off. That's funny. But, uh, but you know, it's like it's 20 below zero all the time there. Yeah. But they had a good time. I, you know, they they were uh, – my my grandson was on the plane, and they were, they were flying into Helsinki, and uh, he was shouting it out pretty loud. Hey, when are we going to get to Helsinki? so they had a big it was a it was pretty funny yeah it was pretty funny okay so uh i have uh something unique about michigan uh that's different uh now i've lived here this is my third winter living here Mm -hmm. and one thing that's very different is that in the winter you wear different stuff uh on your feet than you do in the summer and everybody up here most of the women wear these boots called bogs. Mm-hmm. And some men too. 
Mm-hmm. But I've uh, taken to wearing these uh, LL Bean ducks, mm-hmm. and, and basically, because it's it, you, you just can't keep up with the snow. Pretty much anywhere you're going to walk is going to have snow on the ground, and if you're or wearing s- your or slush, and if you're wearing and, and salt and all this, and if you're wearing your nice loafers, they're going to get wrecked. So yep. pretty much everybody up here wears. Like, even if you work in an office setting like I do, I wear these, and then I just keep my shoes at the office. So when I get there, I change into them. So yep. anyway, shameless yep. That's plug. That's exactly for- what everybody does. Um, those are, uh, actually, those are even low for here. Yeah, I know. Um, I've, I've got a higher pair, but I, I don't like undoing the laces. See, these ones you more can step into. You know, I have a pair of, uh, I think they're, I think they're Merrells. Mm-hmm. I think they're Merrells, and they're uh, they're insulated, and they're rubberized, and there's and they're slip-on low like that. But what they do is they have a um, uh, a neoprene gasket that goes around above your ankle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you put your foot in it. That gasket goes around, so you're so basically no snow gets into your shoe. So even nice. if you step into snow that's above your ankles, the snow will not go inside your boot. Yeah, because that's always a big deal. And you, I, to the um, uh, sometimes in the morning I'll get up and still be in my bathrobe and go out to the to the wood uh, shed and put wood in the fire and um, the boiler room, put wood in the fire, and I'll just throw those on, kick my little slippers off, no socks, just put those on, and. Uh, I don't have any, you know, because if if you'll notice, uncomfortable feelings is not necessarily that there's snow on your leg. It's there's snow on your feet. It yeah, seems your like shoe. your feet are way more susceptible to uh, to getting cold or being uncomfortable if they're if they have snow on them compared to your leg. So I don't like I'll go out there and I'll have I'll just basically be in my bathrobe with no socks on or no nothing on and just put my feet into those, uh, those little boots and, um, yeah, not have a problem with them. Yeah. So I have a pair of gaiters. I have a pair of gaiters too, that I wear if I'm going to be out for any length of time in the deep snow when we're snowshoeing or doing those kinds of things. Yep. Yeah. I was going to show this as another option. This guy at the grocery store yesterday had these on. Now, if I'm going out in deep snow, I've got these hunting boots that are just rubber and insulated that go up to the knee and and those are just fine you're never going to have a problem except that one time i was hunting and stepped on this like four inch long thorn and it went through the boot and like through my foot and i got like foot crucified um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know and but thankfully none of it broke off in there um bog what's there's like three or four different brands of those because i have a pair i think mine are under armor and they're they're different. There's summer ones. There's winter ones. Yeah. Um. There's there's bogs and there's what's the other brand of those, Kath? Oh, there's a ton. Cabela's there's boots. Anyway, Cabela's makes a. I I have like the Cabela's store brand one that I bought like mm-hmm. a decade ago for hunting, and they've been just fine. Um, the gators, the the place where I've used gators like this is actually in climbing. Yeah. Um, 
because uh, it, it was more to um, prevent. At the time, I was wearing um, ice cleats because we were doing some glacier stuff, and it's more to prevent the ice cleats from tearing into your um, booties, right? And that sort of thing. Right. But anyway, yeah, those are those are a couple of pearl gators, and uh, I don't wear them often. You know, a lot of times I wear those Under Armour boots are real tall; they're just yeah. below my knees. Uh huh. You know, and you can, and they're warm. You know, uh-huh. and they're very, very warm. So, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. What's funny, those, uh, uh, those climbing boots are not really good. They're very, they're very hard. The rubber on them is very hard. Yeah. Uh, for, some re- for some reason, I'm not sure exactly what the object of that is, but I know well, if you walk on, uh, if you walk on packed snow, they cut in really well, like you're wearing cleats. Yeah. But if you happen to be on something that's like, like without any give to it, you're going to be on your ass if you're not careful. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. It's, and well, and real, real climbing boots um, are like, uh, for you know, for the ones where you're going to put them into um, ice cleats. So, like, if you're doing winter mountaineering, mm-hmm. your climbing boots are not what you're thinking they're more like ski boots right. um yeah so they're like hard plastic shell and all this yeah they're um, real stiff yeah and it's a they're a pain in the ass to walk in but if you're in in deep snow having that hard bottom is nice because if you're going up an incline what you do is you kind of slam your foot like you're kicking into the side of the hill and then right. it makes a step for you and then right. You know, the first person going blazes a trail all the way up of steps, and then everybody else uses those same steps. So they're a pain in the ass to use, but they're more efficient, kind of in the uh, in the long run, I guess, is the way in that environment look at it. Yeah, in that particular application, it's a better better way of doing it. Um, but I wouldn't use them for anything else because they are a pain in the ass. Um, yep. Yeah. So what else is Let, going on? Oh, let's see. Uh, we're going to go skiing later today, which will oh, be nice. Are. Yeah, um, nice. for sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, we got two feet of snow, and my snowblower broke, so I've been having a <laughs> shovel. The snowplow came by last night and pushed <laughs> about three tons of snow into the end of my driveway. <laughs> so it took me an hour to scoop all that crap out of there. Right, right. Yeah, what a pain um, in the ass that is. We got an additional additional six inches of snow overnight that I had no. to deal with. Um, cooking think, wise, we got a bunch of snow last night. It's it was seventeen below zero here this morning when we got up. Wow, seventeen right. below zero. Yeah. So cooking wise, uh, here's what you got to look at. Oh yeah, that's what. It is. Uh, so. There's this thing which is a miracle. I I bought one of these. Uh, my I I've had a pressure cooker for a long time, and it's a stovetop model, but it started acting funny, and I decided that since it was acting funny, I needed to replace it. So I went on Amazon and I searched for pressure cooker, and this was the top result. And I'm like, what's this thing? And basically, you just plug it in and press a button, and it goes. But it does a bunch of other stuff like rice and um, you can make chili in like 
five minutes, you know. So anyway, this is, uh, I've got a video that I shot, but I haven't put out yet about, um, found a, well, I didn't find it. I've been making it for years, but, uh, a long time ago, I found a 1950s recipe from Woolworth's lunch counter for chop suey. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's, you have to make it in a pressure cooker, but it's very, very good. And so I have a video that I've shot, but I just haven't edited it. Um, eventually, I'll do that. And I made it in an instant pot. So anyway, shameless plug for a product I'm enthusiastic about right now. I've got <laughs> uh, a pork belly, a whole pork belly in the fridge right now that I need to smoke. I'll probably do that tomorrow, New Year's Day. You should You should try roasting that. And serving that up, you know, that's like the latest. That's another one of those latest, uh, um, uh, relatively cheap piece of meat, and um, make it into something. Yeah. Well, that's um, especially up here because of that restaurant Stella. Um, so there's this restaurant in town yeah. called Stella, and they buy a whole animal, and they they make everything on the animal into something. And so they'll have like a lot of pork belly type dishes. And then going back um, thousands of years, you can go to China or to pretty much anywhere in Southeast Asia. And you're going to find a dish called bao. And it's basically a steamed rice bun with pork belly. And it's delicious. I had some when I was, uh, Mm -hmm. I think I had some in Taiwan and I also had some in uh, Japan. So So you should make some of that. Uh, well, I like bacon better. <laughs> uh, it is so known Khaleesi. Your master build? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is known Khaleesi that, uh, that, uh, bacon is better than, than the other. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have something to That's show you. You've not been watching Game of Thrones. We're starting to rewatch it now. <clears throat> I can't hear it. Oh, that's her. It is known Khaleesi. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Anyway, yeah. so that's uh, everyone. That's uh, um. Uh huh. We're 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 actually watching that over again. We're like in episode nine in the first season. Oh, and, okay. Uh, and it's been it's interesting. If it, I don't know if a lot of people actually make the time to do something like that. We don't watch a lot of like live TV. It's just we it doesn't ever fit into our schedule. So a lot of times what we'll do is you know pick on something and and watch the from Amazon or from Hulu or something like that, and we'll watch a season at our convenience. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really cool to binge watch like that, but you don't yeah. have a lot of time in between uh, to think about the previous episode and yeah. talk about what's going on. So if you get a chance, watch it twice and pick up on all of the things that you're that you miss, like this. Yeah, that was funny. The shame. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. The best scene ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yep. Anyway, walk I of gotta, shame. Yes, shame. <laughs> So there's is it what we're on season eight now? I have no idea. I, I only watched. I think that's the one that's coming out right now. Is season eight? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so we can't wait, you know, for that. Uh, hmm. uh, and hopefully by the time it's ready to come out, we'll be caught up again. Ready to watch season eight. What's nice. going on in the first season that that by the time you watch season six or season five, you totally forget about what happened in season one. Yeah. And then then going back to season one, you pick up on a lot of stuff that you missed the first time and realize what was important and what's not important. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is to you, if you're watching it, watch it again. All right. As do much you, the second time. Do you want to uh do you want a knife in the news? There's probably been a lot of knives in the news, huh? Well, there's a here's I found three decent ones to read today. Um so I'll I'll get it up so that everybody can see it. Uh and I, we'll we'll comment. Ooh. Bluffton female uses knife to threaten brother after he drinks her soda, police say. <laughs> A female grabbed a kitchen knife and started threatening her brother after accusing him of drinking her soda and not doing the dishes. <laughs> that sounds like my house. Uh, the brother responded to the well, accusation you what... by saying she only did half the dishes. Uh, and say, and then he said he doesn't cut half the grass. <laughs> did, you, did you notice that uh, what, what knife they put a picture of is a just is a, a random kitchen knife yeah a random kitchen knife it's a file photo of a yeah. kitchen knife so right exactly but what what uh, uh what i'm pretty sure probably happened was she probably did use a uh probably did use a kitchen knife because well, why because uh, they're um, around <laughs> yeah, yeah well so around. so i've been involved in um knife and gun club type stuff since 2001 and I can count on no hands the number of times I've seen anything but one of those cheap serrated steak knives with the wood handle used to stab anyone. It's always <laughs> one of those. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have some oh, guy come in with one sticking out stiletto? of his back. No. Is that a switchblade stiletto that was in the Wild Bunch? No, that doesn't happen. Um, at least... Well, so the uh, I I do have to say that okay, so I have seen a lot of knife injuries that weren't stabbings. So the the other ones that I've seen a lot of are box cutters. Uh, yeah. In in certain populations, it's a very fun thing to do to get a box cutter and cut somebody in the face. Yeah. Um, and I'll just leave it there. And then the worst one I ever saw was uh, I think Mexico was playing Brazil in the World Cup soccer. And uh, some poor Mexican guy went to a Brazilian bar and started, like, cheering for the Mexican team. <laughs> and they took a beer bottle to his face. And I have never seen one that bad. That was just ridiculous. Ooh. And so here I am, a poor intern, like, sewing this poor guy up. And uh, he's like, oh, mios Dios, the whole time, you know, because <laughs> it was, like, really bad. That's, was, that's terrible. Yeah, I know. It sucked. Okay, so here's article number two. Report. Stolen chips led to assault, stabbing with a gun-shaped knife. Ooh, that's an assault knife. So um, here we have some <laughs> sort of a mugshot. 
This is in Myrtle Beach. A gun-shaped knife. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping they show us an image of it. But anyway, in Myrtle Beach, a bag of stolen ch chips led to an assault and stabbing early Thursday morning in Myrtle Beach. According to the report, it happened at the Circle K. When they got there, officers found the suspect and the victim wrestling on the ground. Police say the victim said, this guy was trying to steal from the store. Officers separated them and to learn more about what may have happened. Um, basically, he tried. The suspect opened a bag of pork rinds and started eating them while in the store. Well, he looks pretty damn hungry. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he can shave, and he looks like well, he's got a bad case of the munchies. Well, it looks like he's. You see, if you look at above his look above his, I notice stuff like this because this is my job. Look above his left eye. He's had a very significant injury to his left forehead, through his left eyebrow, and then onto his upper left eyelid. And it continues out onto the outside lateral aspect of his left eyelid, and that was divided at one point. And if you notice how one eyelid is droopier than the other, it's because they injured, probably injured his levator um, aponeurosis during that attack. Poor guy. Uh, that's so not that's easy not to fix. that's not because he's stoned. Uh, no, not in this case, because I, I that was the first thing I looked at, and no, it's not. He's got an actual injury that you can explain what's going on there. Anyway, um, uh, he went up, and they told him he had to pay for it. He didn't have the money, uh, and then the victim started yelling at him. Uh, suspect came up to the victim in a car and jumped out, yelling that he had a knife. <laughs> Uh, now, I, where does it say about, it says punctured his clothing as well as his forearm. Okay, yeah. Three inches wide, two inches long. That's a, it must have been more of a slash. Um, where does it say about gun-shaped knife in there? It doesn't. I, that was a, that was clickbait and I got, I got owned. <laughs> okay, uh, that's from... From Minnesota, December 23rd, Minneapolis. Man shot by Minnesota cops came at them with a knife. Wow, can we get an editor to work on these titles? Come on. Um, you know what? That's awful. So apparently the, this guy had a knife. They told him to drop it, and uh, he went towards them. Sounds like suicide by cop. Large folding knife that he brought into the interrogation room by hiding it in his waistband. I don't think it was in his waistband, Jim. I think they would have found that. Yep, right? yeah, it probably was <laughs> in his butt. <laughs> well, anyway, um, severely injuring himself. It was in between his butt cheeks. Could be. Actually, you know what? It's it's It probably could have been in the crotch of his pants. Because do they not a lot of there? officers do not want to frisk a man's junk. Huh. That's that's a true story. Oh boy, that's true. Yeah, a lot of a lot of cops don't like, uh, you know, they just don't like it. They just don't don't want to do it. Yeah, I would imagine they wouldn't like that. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so I'm going to show you an image, and you have to tell me what movie it's from. Um, give me a second. We were talking uh, along these lines last night, but not about this movie. Okay, here it comes. There you go. 
What movie is that from? Hmm. So it's got Bill Murray. Oh, that's a uh, 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 come on. I, I actually never saw that movie. It's uh, oh, you have to see it. No, it's, it's not the it's not the Lebowski. It's the other one. Uh, the Amish guy that yeah yeah Kingpin. Is that older? <laughs> no. So Bill Murray was playing like the current world champion, right? And yeah. uh, he's got this. So he's holding up a bowling ball with a rose in it. And I right. have been looking for something like that for decades, ever since I saw the movie. And I don't even bowl. I just want that bowling ball. You know, so if I, because every once in a while, I'll take the kids to the bowling alley. And if you whipped that out, like it would just be instant, instant laughs. So if, if anybody knows of where to get one of those, I, I so want one of those. But anyway, so Bill Murray plays the like current world champ. And by then, like there was no such thing as like professional bowling. And, um, uh, uh, Woody Harrelson plays like this guy who's down on his luck, and I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but anyway, he ends up discovering a prodigy, this Amish guy, um, and he sneaks away from his farm uh, every once in a while and goes bowling, and this uh, Woody Harrelson sees him bowling, and he's like a phenom. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, it, mm-hmm. and, and you know, one of the lines is like, well, why do you have 12 pins or whatever? And the Amish guy's like, well, we we have to do everything the English does uh, only harder, <laughs> you know, like it's not a sin if you like, if you make it more challenging or whatever. Um, so anyway, <laughs> you got to watch that movie. It's called uh, Kingpin. So there's my uh, movie recommendation, uh, favorite movie about the Amish. Uh, I don't really know that there are many movies about the Amish. There's, there's that one, like, wasn't there like a, Who's uh, that guy? Uh, it was about by that uh, guy that writes all the that? legal thrillers. Is it Witness yeah. or something? Yep, suspect yeah. or Su- Witness, I think right? It was suspect. Okay, something like that. Anyway, it's that yeah. guy that writes all those like law thrillers and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, okay. it was Witness. Okay, I can. Um, yeah, it was Witness. Okay, I have I have uh, one more thing, uh, and I want to. Uh, I started off by triggering um, the 1800s LARPers, uh, <laughs> and and now I'm gonna I'm gonna trigger an entire generation of people. Actually, probably two generations, maybe even three. Woo! All right, you ready? Yeah. So I have an article. I've I've been holding on to this for a while because um, I didn't want to do any political content. But anyway, back in May. This billionaire from Australia basically said that the reason uh, millennials couldn't afford to buy a house is because they ate too much avocado toast. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. funny. I know, and they just they they That's just told, funny. they went cat five on the guy, right? So here's an article from the Washington <laughs> Post. Uh, they may have graduated during the Great Recession with poor job prospects and outrageous student loans, but that doesn't matter. There's one explanation for why millennials have been slow to buy homes, avocado toast. At least that's what Australian millionaire and property <laughs> mogul uh, said on his version of 60 Minutes uh, in comments that are being widely mocked around the Internet. When I was trying to buy a that's home, funny. 
I wasn't buying smashed avocado for $19 and four coffees at $4 each, Garner said. <laughs> uh, but anyway, funny. They, just, they just kept, um, they, so they just got so angry. Like all, it, it, it totally erupted. And I'll show you. That's funny. Um, I'll show you why, right? There's this. Uh, there's the thing is, is it's so much different now for everybody than uh, than it was. So this is a meme that was from a few years ago, which also triggered the hell out of millennials and got got them mm-hmm. just so mad. But anyway, this is called old, old economy Stephen, and I love this meme. It's one of my my wife and I look these up and we just laugh, right? So this is a guy who's clearly from the 70s, mm-hmm. and uh, let me. Oops, I, I did that wrong. Let me uh, put that back up. This guy is clearly from the 70s, clearly a boomer, right? And it was mm-hmm. different when you were young back then. So here's here's the first one. It, it has his picture, and it says, works one minimum wage hour, buys four gallons of gas. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Let me um, let me find uh, a couple more of them. But anyway, this well, is... Gas was, gas was 75 cents a gallon. Yeah, exactly. 1976. Right, and it's it's not. Oh, wait, uh, that's not going to work. So that that's a poor one. Um, so then it, it goes like this. Now now they start getting really angry. Like this thing got angrier and angrier over the course of the couple months that I was watching it. So this one says drives up federal deficit for 30 years, hands the bill to his kids. <laughs> uh, the next one is graduates from college. Gets hired, <laughs> uh, and then the the next one. Uh, at my first job, I made fifteen thousand a year. In 1979, that was the equivalent of forty-seven thousand. Um, <laughs> and then here's another one. When I was in college, my summer job paid the tuition, and then at the bottom it says tuition was four hundred bucks. <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's just like countless, countless memes. On that, uh, on that oh, that's same awesome. Subject. I have to look at those guys. Yeah, old economy Steve. It's it. You guys will get a kick out of it, you know. Um, and it, it also, it, it so it triggers millennials and uh, it triggers boomers because now the millennials are trying to say that oh, you know, it's all their fault. And just shut up. Yeah. Look at the life you've got. And then it also triggers Xers because Xers are like uh. We graduated in a shit economy, too. You remember the 90s, perchance? <laughs> you know, the whole Mick Jobs thing? That was oh, about yeah. extras. So anyway, so you know, we, we potentially just triggered three generations of the Americans. war. <laughs> yeah. The war. Right? The war is going to start now. Yeah. So what do you think of the latest from Kim, Kim, uh, Kim Jong Little Guy? Oh, uh, Rocket Man? Yeah, Rocket what, Man. What's he up to? Well, apparently South Korea has grabbed a couple ships and, and uh, confiscated them. They uh, they were getting oil transferred to them. Okay. So they had proof that they were Russian oil or Chinese oil. I guess they got one from China, one from Russia, and they just they were like super tankers and full of oil. And they just took them. <laughs> it said, "You can't have this oil." Took the must. They probably took the oil off and let the boats go. 
Nice. You can't be transferring oil at sea. Yeah, I don't. How would you? Yeah, I would. I would take the boats, bring them to port, unload the oil, let the boats go. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Yep. There you go. So uh, the other thing that's kind of funny, I read an article today about uh, about the hurricane season for 2017. You know, basically saying it's global, whatever the fuck it is now, global warming, global after cooling, we just, global. After we just had uh, 15 years of basically no hurricanes, all of a sudden, oh, look, right. you know. Right. <clears throat> so in the article, they're saying we haven't seen a winter, a summer like this in a hundred years. When I was reading this, well, I guess that means that we have like a hundred-year cycle. Or uh, yeah, we haven't. Uh, you haven't been alive for a hundred years, dipshit. Well, how, <laughs> how does uh, how how does um uh, well they were talking about the hurricane season from a hundred years ago, but I guess the I guess the question would be was how did we do global climate change, whatever the fuck is going on that they're thinking happened hundred years. Before that that year that had a real bad year and had a lot of hurricanes, what triggered that? Yeah, or the fact that the uh, the you know the all the things that we like about European culture basically are from the Renaissance, and uh, during the Renaissance, one of the reasons that Europe did so much better is that it was warm as hell for you know however long. It's called there's a right. warming period that happened. And they had temperatures that were way warmer than they are now. Right. Way warmer. And there was no such thing as burning gasoline or anything like that. And there were far less humans on the earth. Right. Well, that's why a lot of those buildings were built. That was a lot of those buildings were built. They had kind of like a natural air conditioning in them. The way they were set up that they 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 drafted air through them. So there was always a constant breeze going through the building. The real tall ceilings with the windows way at the top and windows at the bottom. Basically, the whole building was a giant chimney. Yeah, well... They did that so that they could... Yeah, and and in terms of culture, um, we never had a a time before then. Of course, a lot of other things were going on. It was the Enlightenment and all that. Um, But uh, we never had a time before then when humans did better in terms of cultural and technological achievements. Um, you know, imagine trying to do the Sistine Chapel today. No, no, imagine you that. couldn't. No. Or, uh... Never happened. You know, any of those... Yeah, forget it. It's just... You're just not going to do it. And, um... You know, and they were they were able to do it, you know, hundreds of years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh... So, anyway... Number one, you, in order to, to buy this crap about, you know... Oh, you know, we've never seen anything like it. You have to completely blank out the fact that the best time we ever had in human history, except for right now, was uh, was during the warmest time in history in Europe, when mm-hmm. pretty much all of the intellectual and cultural achievements that have ever happened in Europe happened during that time. And since then, it's all been downhill for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, Romania. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, it, it, it's uh, an interesting, interesting I have a connection with you right now for some reason. Hmm. Well, um, got anything else? 
No, not really. Just that we're uh, um, not doing a whole lot tonight. Yeah, as I'm far as uh, uh, going out or doing any of the partying that's going on in uh, New Year's Eve, because we're not that kind of people. But pile of brush, I'm going to try to burn today. Mm. See if I can't contribute to some global warming. Yeah, I'm going to at least I'm, warm up my my immediate neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go skiing here in a little bit, and then uh, I'm going to make some spaghetti. Um, and so here's a here's a quick method of making a great marinara that one of my Italian patients taught me a long time ago. And I made this for you guys, and you seem to like it. So you take mm -hmm. uh, a couple cans of whole-peeled tomatoes, and you take a pork chop, and you put some olive oil in the bottom of a, a pan, and you fry that pork chop in the olive oil, and then you take it out, and you pour the whole peeled tomatoes in there, and uh, put the uh, before you put the tomatoes in. A lot of times, I'll do onion and just saute it with a little garlic first. Uh, but you know, with kids, you kind of gotta watch that. So I end up using onion powder and garlic powder, and then you add in the tomatoes. You put the chop back in. You simmer it. You don't have to simmer it that long. And it gets this really nice porky flavor. And you take the tomatoes out and you crush them up either by hand or in a blender or something like that. And, uh, you know, add a little basil, maybe a little oregano. And it's really tasty marinara um, with a pork chop. Sounds good. Then you can add your meatballs in or whatever else you want. But that's the a pork chop taste. is a trick. Yep, especially like a bone-in pork chop. So I'm making that tonight. Um, it, it just adds this uh, rich uh, flavor to the sauce that is oh it's so good. Um, well, I got nothing else. No, I don't need. Ooh, a question. Kind of quiet. Uh, answer. So yeah, so our space pb says may have missed it earlier but how much snow do you guys have on the ground right now well i have uh probably i mean i haven't measured it but it's at least two feet because it's up to my one kid's waist yeah uh, what do you what do you guys have? Yeah, i'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking that's probably what we have maybe a yeah. foot and a half it hasn't really settled much it's been too cold to settle the minute hmm. the sun with this kind of snow that we're getting it's it's called lake effect snow it's not system snow so the crystals are a little bit different. And so the minute it warms up a little bit, this snow will settle like crazy. It's very, it's very fluffy, very uh, very tall, uh, very deep right now. But the minute the sun comes out and it warms up to about 20 degrees, um, a little more. So it may be equivalent of uh, um, it'll probably settle down to like, you know, maybe six, eight inches. You know, the two feet will settle down that much. Um, where if this would be system snow and we had two feet of it on the ground right now, we'd be like, it, it wouldn't settle. It, it, that would have already settled because it's heavier to be a little bit heavier, big, it must be bigger crystals or something. And, um, that's, there's a little bit difference in this, in the type of snow. When you go to a mountain that's making snow for skiing, the snow that they make is like system snow. It's, yeah. they're more, it's more like small crystals. They basically squirt water into the cold air behind a fan, and uh, they have like a real small particle 
of water and it develops into a snowflake. Um, mm -hmm. But like I said, it's, it's very similar to a snowflake that's, that comes uh, during the lake effect snow. But if you get, as soon as the, as soon as the lake uh, freezes over or we get, we get some big uh, low pressure systems over the, um, over the lake when we mm -hmm. a ton of moisture and then dump it out, it's not driven by the wind and the cold. Um, that's the kind of snow that everybody is like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's sloppier. Yeah, because right now, right now what's happening is the lake is warmer than the, than the, than the land. The wind is blowing from the lake to the land, and uh, it picks up moisture along the way, and it drops it off as a frozen yeah. mass over the island, over the yeah. over the yeah, because because the way it works for us, I was watching the radar for a few days. There's a couple islands off of Leelanau Peninsula out in Lake Michigan, and I don't know what they're called, but as soon uh, as the South, North Manitou Island, Fox Island, North and South, yeah, and Beaver Island. So, so as soon as the as soon as the whatever the wind or whatever is going across hits that all of a sudden from that island on you see snow yep yeah so it's yep. it, yeah, us, it just that's when it starts that cold like a little cold spot in the cuz cuz like i said the lake is warm yeah you know probably 45 40 degrees i'll bet right now 45 degrees i'll bet yeah it, it at least you know, so as long as the lake doesn't have ice on uh, we're we're prone for that. Yep. When I was in um, <clears throat> Chicago, uh, it didn't reach its ma maximal temperature till October. But I don't know mm -hmm. um, what it is here. Um, but yeah, yeah so it's similar. It's similar. Yeah. All right. So he also asks if you were going to be a character in Moby Dick, what modern production knife would you carry? And I'm holding mine up on the screen just because it was close. Uh, I would carry this uh, BK16. Um, it's uh, just a standard everyday knife, um, very useful tool, um, inexpensive, uh, and um, I don't know. I like it. What about you? I would carry one of my full full tang full tang ideal knives. Oh yeah, the marbles ones, um, or the the one no, that you made. The, the one that I made for make a knife. Well, I would I would I would say. Uh, one of mine, but I'm not like a production <laughs> knife maker. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of a custom guy, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, that uh, um, that canoe knife that is more of a boating knife, anyways. So that's what I would carry. Yeah, that actually makes sense. Um, yeah, I I don't know if I have one of those or not. Maybe I do. Let me see. What's this? Oh yeah, I have it. I have a 2016 canoe here, mm -hmm. um, and I will uh, I'll get it out here and show them what you're talking about. Um, so this is from American Knife Company. Uh, actually, now looking at this um, because yeah, I, this is nice. Um, mm -hmm. so, so there's there's what there's what yeah, he's talking be, about. That, yeah, that would be what I would carry. Because that's yeah. that's the dimensions of a marbles canoe, only with a full tang. Yep. Very nice. Very very nice. Yep. So, um, there's your there's your answer. I as it turns out, I just reread uh, Moby Dick. Oh, did you? Yeah. So, uh, um, with Queequeg and all that, there's all kinds of stuff. 
Uh, he responds, okay, love cool. all so, of Jim's stuff with American Knife Company. <coughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah. Thank you. Neat stuff. Neat stuff. I, I have a bunch. My favorite one that you all ever right. did. Let's see. It's probably in one of my packs because I use it so much. Um, I'm trying to see maybe if I put it back here. Uh, you have no head right now. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I, I'm off the screen for just a moment. But my favorite knife that you did uh, <clears throat> the one that was like the Skookum Bush tool, only the mini version of it. Oh, that's a, a four. Um, Small forest, compact forest knife. Yeah, small forest, compact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's in one of my packs because yep. I actually use that one a lot. Forest. That's a. That's actually a really nice knife. That's a. That's a kind of knife that that uh, when you're skilled, mm-hmm. you have no fear of that knife whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, very, very, very elegant. It's it's a nice knife. I use it a lot, obviously, um, or it would be sitting here. Just make sure. Yeah, it's it's in one of my packs somewhere. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I have that it would be. Oh, candidate. you know what I got the other day? <clears throat> I got a Duluth pack haversack. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, somebody on on Facebook and the you know, and I I just saw it and I saw the price. I thought it was really good price. And um, after I saw it, after I got it, I was like, "Oh, this has got this has got one of those things on it that for a, for this thing I don't really particularly care for so much." And while I really like the haversack, I'm not sure how much influence he actually had in designing it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking on right now for because uh, I was carrying a shell bag for a while for my like my stuff, you know, just your stuff that you have with you all the time, yeah. chargers and stuff that you have want to carry around with you. Okay, I have to I have I'm to respond around. to this. I have to respond to this. So elegant Elliot often. Now, if if this is the real elegant Elliot, uh, which it isn't, but if it was, I would say right, right. Beef stew. <laughs> anyway, elegant Elliot, elegant Elliot off, often was a guy that used to appear on the uh, Howard Stern show all the time, and he was like, he's kind of a goofball, <laughs> and he's he's yeah. always like, uh, look at these calves, <laughs> and, and he's like, right, he's you know he's, he was into personal fitness and all this stuff, you know, and uh, but he was always saying right, so whenever I uh, whenever. There's this one kid that I like to annoy that's one of my, uh, he says, often, not often, get it right. <laughs> he used to say stuff like that, and he'd call people a beef stew. He's like, that's gangster <coughs> talk, and all this. Anyway, I, I love funny. that guy. Um, so here's another uh, uh, literary uh, reference for you on the screen. Uh, carrying a haversack, nonetheless. Um you know who that would be. That looks like it's from. Uh, that looks like it's from. Uh, um, I don't. It's a small picture. I can't really see that. Close. Oh, sorry. It's it's. Uh, go ahead. It's it's a. It looks ancient, like ancient literature. 
What's that? It's ancient, ancient literature, and it's the it's the monster in this particular. It's a epic poem type novel. Um, but anyway, he supposedly carried a haversack, and it's Grendel from Beowulf. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um. Anyway, he uh, Grendel um used to. He's like me. He doesn't want to be around people, and he just wants to live in his damn cave or whatever. And there was this mead hall close by, and there were all these, like, people, like, always over there, like, drinking all this mead and screwing each other's brains out and all this. And they'd make too much noise, and uh, Grendel would get all pissed off and uh, go in there and just wreck house. And then <laughs> they had a, uh, a hero that finally was able to slay Grendel. And they, they did, a, uh, did a movie on it just... Actually, I'm getting away... Uh, I'm getting where I I'm, I can't even understand half the stuff that you're saying. You're skipping in and out now. Okay, so well, I'm going to say later. It's probably my end. Okay. Well, one last thing. Uh, just okay. Got this back from Dwayne Keith Puckett. And Ooh, it is, nice. Yeah, it's uh, I finally reordered a badger. Um, because I I had a left-handed badger. Um, this one isn't. Infy though my other one was Infy. This one I think is it's battle grade. What'd you so do with that like, knife? I I think I must have lent it to somebody, uh, and they just conveniently never gave it back. Mm. Um, but it, it had a Dwayne Keith Puckett sheath too, and uh, oh nice. Um, anyway, so yeah, he does I, nice I, work. Yeah, pretty much every sheath that I own that didn't come with a knife uh, is is uh, from him. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Every, every sheath that I have ever sent out with a knife um, that that's made of leather, he made it. So I, I probably I probably ordered close to seventy or eighty sheaths from the guy by now. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, if I'm breaking up, then that means it's time to go. Any last minute things you want to share? Oh, Stormy's about ready to start barking. Hmm. Um, well, no, I wish, uh, I want to wish everybody a happy belated Christmas, very Merry Christmas to everybody and, um, a happy new year, a very prosperous, happy new year. I think with the new Trump tax plan, we should be, uh, a couple hundred dollars richer anyways. Most people <laughs> will be have a little bit bigger paychecks. Um, and so, uh, spend it wisely. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, uh, I don't have anything to add to that, um, but I do notice that our economy is uh, rip roaring, which is good for everybody. Yep. And uh, yep. it's a completely different world than it was a year ago in a bunch of different ways, and uh, hopefully, it will continue on being good for everybody. Yep. I think it will be. I think it will be. I think we'll be. Uh, I think we're finally getting on the right path, and uh, um, I think if we start throwing some liberals off the island, we'll be all set. <laughs> okay, Jim said that. Kyle didn't say that. All right. Uh, my island's big enough for everybody. It's just some people have to sit down and shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the difference? <laughs> well, I didn't throw them eventually, off. Just... Eventually, they start rocking the boat, the lifeboat, and they're going to end up throwing them overboard. Well. Okay, I, I, I'm nonviolent. 
Unless uh, I am too. Unless, well, yeah. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> I have nothing to add. I'm a little little uh, stopped up here. Uh, uh, I don't know what else from, to say from all that snow shoveling. Yeah, no kidding. I'm I'm. You know, the funny thing is, is I've moved. I've been out there. Um, you know, four or five times yesterday and today, and I'm not sore at all. You know, yeah. but I I do quite a bit of physical stuff all the time. But my wife is about yeah, dead. Yeah, that's good for you. There's no doubt that's good for you. But well, with that being said, like I said, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to all of you. Very prosperous New Year, and uh, we'll next time we'll be broadcasting. It'll be 2018. Yeah. All right. What are you? What are you? How are you going to sign off? Uh, keep your knife sharp and your friend sharper. All right. We'll uh, see you in 2018.